I'm Beth Schenker, your host of The Big Schmear, and welcome back to episode two of Keeping It Kosher with my guest, Chef Laura Frankel. For those of you not yet familiar with this new podcast, let me tell you a little about it. My goal is to bring interesting stories about all things related to Jewish food to you. I want to explore a wide range of topics related to Jewish food that I hope you'll find interesting as I do. Some topics on my list include holiday foods, Israeli food, Jewish food trends, the politics of food, the history of Jewish food, kosher food, favorite Jewish restaurants around the world, and I'll be interviewing chefs, food authors and critics, and quirky folks who love to cook and talk about Jewish food. I want to keep this podcast lively, and I'm hoping you'll help by sending me your ideas for future shows. You can reach me at this email address, beth at thebigschmear.com, and schmear is spelled S-C-H-M-E-A-R. I've invited Chef Laura Frankel back to talk with me about her new position with the magazine Joy of Kosher. Let me tell you a little about her. Laura Frankel is a noted kosher chef and newly appointed culinary director for Jamie Geller's Test Kitchens and Kosher Network International. She's the author of two cookbooks, Jewish Cooking for All Seasons and Jewish Slow Cooker Recipes. Her third book, Clean Slate Jewish Cooking, will be published in spring of 2018. She's the founder of Shallot's Restaurant in Chicago, Skokie, and New York, and she served as executive chef for Wolfgang Puck for eight years. Chef Laura spends her days in pursuit of the perfect bite. I'll have to find out more about that before too long. Welcome back, Laura. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to have you here. Me too. So I've known you for a while, and um, I've been watching all the different kinds of projects and things that you've done as a chef in and around Chicago and beyond. I'm always interested in finding out what new projects you're up to and what you have up to your sleeve. <laughs> and um, I know that you recently started this amazing new job with Joy of Kosher. And um, this magazine covers everything about kosher cooking that you can think of. It's beautiful. It's well-written. You can buy a print copy, you can get an electronic version of the magazine, and it has a huge presence, or you do, on YouTube. So give me the scoop. What's the inside scoop? What's it like working on a magazine? So I love the magazine, and I love working, writing recipes for the site as well as for the magazine. What's cool about it is that I have a much broader reach. So I get to do what I love to do, which is write, cook, talk, test recipes, uh, talk about food all day long, and then it actually gets to reach many more people. And don't get me wrong, I love restaurants, and restaurants are in my blood, but when I can, with a single recipe, reach thousands and thousands of people all over the world, there's what's not to love about that. Right. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. It's great. And maybe you can tell me a little bit more specifically about some of the things you do, like maybe talk about your YouTube stuff. And I know you also travel for work. So how does all that fit in with who you've been up to this point as a chef. So my job up to this point as a chef has been directly preparing food on a day-to-day -day basis and either in a restaurant 
or catering operation delivering it right to you. Now what I do is I write recipes all day long, basically, and then I test them. So I'll write, some days are, are writing days and some days are testing days. And the testing comes with, I literally go into a kitchen and then read a recipe as if I were anyone else, even if I wrote the recipe. And then I test it to make sure it's gonna work in every variety of kitchens and every setting. And then go back, tweak it, put it back, and send it off to our editors and to the next chain of people that get to look at it. It's a lot of fun, and it's interesting because I get to fully impact everyone's, what they're having for dinner, literally, every single day, which is cool. You're in my kitchen. I'm in your kitchen. Sort I'm of. in everyone's kitchen now. <laughs> I'm in your I'm in your pantry. I'm in your <laughs> <Whoa>. refrigerator. <laughs> I really wish you were in my kitchen. I know my food would be better. Uh, <laughs> let me ask you this. What is it that you do at the magazine? What's something that you do at the magazine or for the magazine that would surprise us? Maybe something we wouldn't think of uh, that a chef would do or that you, Laura, wouldn't do. What's interesting interesting and something that I did not know is that we have someone called a digital content person. And what this person does is tracks what's trending right now. So it literally might be something like butternut squash. It's like, ah, oh, butternut squash is trending. And how they determine this is they read, they figure out how many people have Googled butternut squash recipes. And if butternut squash or spaghetti squash was trending a few months ago, I'm right at the beginning of fall. I mean, you could almost sense it. Like, you know, literally everyone, the wind changed and everyone wanted spaghetti squash. And so we immediately like, you know, it's almost like the hotline. My phone like starts jangling or something. Imagine like lights and sirens going off. We need squash recipes now. (laughs) It's so funny because, and I didn't realize that's how that happened, but somebody is literally tracking all this stuff to see what everyone is Googling. Um, And so immediately I'm coming up with caramelized squash this and velvety squash that. And it's, it's actually cool. And it's like, it's not just like when I say I'm impacting dinner and stuff, but I kind of really am. Because if you're somebody who follows these dietary regulations, or if you're just someone who loves squash, (laughs) and I happen to hit the right note by saying it's caramelized onion and squash this or whatever, the right key phrases are that turn people on and get their taste buds going and their uh, pupils dilating. So if I write that well, and it's appealing and, and not too crazy over the top complicated, then people are actually really running out and making it and enjoying themselves on it, which is just so cool to me. And it's surprising because I didn't know that that was the process for it. So to me, that's interesting. And maybe other people will think it is. But when, you know, the term that everyone's using these days, when something's on point, it really is on point. It's like literally at the minute. So, you know, scary squash, on point. yeah, or <laughs> turmeric. And, you know, in January, it's going to be diets. Yeah, I mean, we can already predict that one. But, what, right. but whatever the flavor of the year is or last, you know, whatever this year's pomegranate or kale is, that's what we're going to be writing about. So you you said you do tons of recipe yeah. testing and development. Yeah, I love it. And I was going to say, doesn't that make you exhausted? And how do you keep coming up with fresh ideas? So clearly one is the trending right. stuff. But what are some of the other things that influence or get you excited about 
starting a new kind of food. You know what's funny is that it, exhausted is the right word for it, though. I'm going to go back to that. It's because I've been writing all day long and even testing recipes all day long. And then I go stand in the grocery store, try to make my own dinner. And I'm so confused. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm just like, because as I write, I have this like thing with my brain and my mouth. They're really connected, not just in talking, <laughs> but flavors. So like I can think of a flavor and I can actually taste it. And sometimes I can oh. smell it at will. I know it's crazy. And oh. I think that's, I was, and I'm, as a kid, I used to say that to mom, like, I'd be like, I'm, 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 I'm tasting this, you know, that kind of thing. Uh-huh. But anyway, so, so I get, to, so I've got all these things going on in my mind all day long and these flavors kind of popping like drawers opening, like a flavor pops out, you open a drawer. It's crazy. And then I get to the grocery store and I'm like, so like weary from all the sensory <laughs> stimulation. I get to the store, I'm like, I don't even know what we're having for dinner tonight. We're going to have a salad, I think. <laughs> it's crazy, but it's a lot of fun and I love it. And I stay fresh by trying to always look, I'm a very seasonal person. It's kind of like how I get dressed. I look outside, check the weather, whatever. And food is the same for me. And being in the Midwest, I have like this idea of the way fall should taste. And it's always like, you know, with sage and thyme and mushrooms and lots of of velvety squash. (laughs) (laughs) Of course. Of course. (laughs) Versus, you know, if I lived in Florida, it would be different or California. And I think that those flavors always inspire me and, and keep me happy. And always in search of that perfect bite where I really always am kind of looking for the next flavor. What's the next thing that's going to set it off? What I'm, gonna, what I'm looking for. So speaking of the perfect bite, is there a recipe or a kind of food right now, this moment, that in your mind is close to being the perfect bite? And maybe this is something that we might be able to share a recipe with our listeners Perhaps, perhaps. Yeah, absolutely. So there's what's hot right now and what's on point is Israeli food is hot. It's just the hottest thing ever. And I've written a bunch of recipes that have Israeli style or Israeli inspired flavors. And I think done well, where you get a combination of those toasty hard spices that we all think of, cinnamon, coriander seeds, cardamom, and cumin, those flavors done well. And then with this bright pop of like citrus. And if it's done right, if it's not overwhelming your palate where it's just too heavy on the spices or too bright on that, and then with a good glug of delicious olive oil on there, it's like just perfect because it, it hits everything you want. It's the warm, toasty spices, this pop of citrus, and then this rich fatty oil in your mouth. It's, it's amazing and delicious. And so Israeli food done right or Israeli flavors inspiring your other foods that you like, you know, whether it be a piece of wild Alaska and salmon, which is clearly not very Israeli. It's a very American flavor that we all know in the spring and we love it, but done with those flavors can turn into something just spectacular. I think it like kind of hits all the right notes. Whoa. You're hungry, right? I am. I think you want it. I'm thinking, geez, now I go home and my refrigerator's empty. Uh, (laughs) What am I going to do? So uh, maybe you've kind of answered this question, at least on some level. Do you find the work that you're doing now with this new company, how is it impacting your creativity as a chef? And is it filling the needs for the way you've done work in the past? Do you feel like, well, yes, but now I'm growing and going in this direction or... You know what I mean? Yeah, no, I do know what you mean. And it kind of, for me, it's kind of like crystallizing it all. And I and I love the 
the kind of controlled chaos of a restaurant. And I don't think I'll ever get away from that, but I know where to go find that. And I know that I can cater or teach classes and do that kind of like a lot of pots and pans going on at one time, which is my thing. And I'm good at it. But I think what it does for me, it kind of crystallizes everything that's been floating around in my head all these years with, you know, it's the soup of the day or whatever, that kind of stuff (laughs) in a restaurant, but in a kind of controlled, put it down on paper way versus in a restaurant, it's, this makes sense on the menu because it costs this amount of money or because it's in season. But right now I can kind of like run any menu I want by just putting it on paper. And so I find it very fulfilling and that I can impact people and that I can do what I've always felt I love to do, which is make kosher food that much better so that it's not just that it's kosher. It's that it's timely, it's modern, it's clean, it's healthy because I only write healthy recipes. It's organic because as often as I can, I'm pushing that in there too. And when I personally cook in my own home, I buy local produce and stuff. So I'm kind of putting it all together in one big package and sticking my fork in it. (laughs) (laughs) It sounds like it's just really freeing for you. It kind of is. And and it's, it's that moment to really just put it down on paper and to just let it loose versus always to be restrained by costs, by what I think that people will eat or not eat. And in a restaurant, you got to kind of seduce people into eating what you want them to eat. You got to give them what they want. Well, right now, I'm putting it on paper and I'm giving it to you. <laughs> and people can do it or not. Yeah, but... correct. But it's putting the idea out there and it's kind of raising the bar from what people normally would cook on their own. And now I'm going to raise that bar just a little bit or sometimes way high in the magazine. In the print magazine, I can just go wild and put what I want. And on the website, it's like kind of got to stay within like what's in reach within a, a, a family who's busy and crazy where everyone's running around and got carpool and this. But in the magazine, I can like, I can let my inner self go wild, which is a lot of fun. So uh, I've seen you go wild in some, to some degree in the past. <laughs> You've eaten a lot of it, <laughs> which has been great for me. So one of the things that I love watching you do is cook and do demonstrations. And so is that kind of the thing you're doing on YouTube for the magazine or am I off base and you're doing... No, we're we're just ramping up all this YouTube stuff. Jamie, who is the founder of Joy of Kosher, does a lot of the YouTube stuff. She's doing a lot of the recipes I've written. She's doing stuff we've collaborated on. And I hope that I'm going to be on there at some point too. Um, I'm very new with the company, so I'm not on there yet, but I I love uh, the opportunity to do that kind of stuff as well. So, Laura, I know I've seen you on Facebook doing Facebook Live stuff, so tell me about that. Yeah, Facebook Live is like the new cool kid thing to do, and what it does is it allows you to be very spontaneous. So there I was in Israel with Jamie right outside of Jerusalem, And we had just gotten back from this like very cool little bodega that's in her town. And we had these chickens. We're like, let's cut up a chicken and put it on Facebook. (laughs) It's like... Only you you guys could think about that. I know. Who who thinks that's fun? (laughs) And we did. And we got like 8,000 views or more than that of people watching watching cutting up chicken. And what what it it tells you is that, one, I'm pretty cool with a knife. (laughs) But what it tells you also is that people want to learn how to take control of their own chicken. (laughs) <laughs> Did you really say Drive that? Around, you know? 
Oh my well, god! Usually, when you're buying your chicken, it's on a, like a it's kind of lifeless on a piece of styrofoam. <laughs> but if you cut it yourself, you're in charge. You've got all the bones which you paid for, whether you get them or not. You've got all the pieces how you want them cut. And now you can prepare it. So there I am cutting these chickens very spontaneously. It's like, yeah, let's put this up there. And she has the, she's the technology wizard and the, the wizard of video and stuff. That's what she does. And there I am cutting and suddenly I'm on camera trying to look cool, cutting, <laughs> cutting up these birds. But it was, it's a lot of fun. And when Facebook live, it does let you just be very spontaneous. And it's like, Hey, we've got a cool pile of vegetables. Let's, let's show everybody else what we're doing with it which I love that. It's fun. Yeah, that sounds great. Are you, so are you going to continue to do stuff yeah, like that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. A lot of that. Um, I'm going to be back in Israel in a few weeks and look out for it. It'll be there. All right. <laughs> all right. So we're doing fun stuff here. So let's let's talk about something else fun, which is I know you love, besides food and cooking, you love music, all yeah. kinds of music. Yeah. And I just can't imagine that your kitchen is quiet when you're working. So what do you like <laughs> to listen to? Yeah. If I can get music and food together at the same time, time I'm, I'm all good. It's, it's my second love. And surprisingly enough, I'm sure people are thinking like the strains of klezmer is like in the background <laughs> or something, and it couldn't be farther from that. I love Latin jazz. I like the, the rhythm of it, and I like the unpredictability of jazz where it's not the same chord that I know is coming. coming. Right. <laughs> and I just like the feel of it. So I always have a lot of jazz playing and at loud volume. <laughs> and I like the, the driving rhythm of it. So I, it cooks, I keep going faster. And cooking fast is one of my favorite. If I can have a lot of pots and pans up in the air at one time, I'm in. So You are a fast cooker. Yeah, I do like to cook fast. <laughs> but I think a lot of chefs do. And, and it's kind of what we do so you can have a lot done at one time. Yeah. Well, thank you for sharing all of that. My pleasure. I love the thing about the chicken, getting control of your chicken. <laughs> I had like these weird pictures in my mind of, of a chicken just kind of like running down the road. Well, you know what it is? It's like how our grandmothers cooked. They always bought a whole chicken. Right. And only it's now that you're buying it all pre-cut or you're only buying certain pieces like, oh, I only want the breast or I only want the legs. Well, that's silly because you paid for the whole thing. You should get the whole thing. But most people wouldn't know how to cut it. They'd get the whole chicken, get it home and go, ah, you know, I, I'm going out, I'm ordering. But in nest, when you keep kosher, that's not always an option. So it really puts you in control and you're feeding your family. And really, that's my favorite thing about what I do is it's teaching people how to control what they're giving their families, not just pulling it out of a package and letting a corporation decide. Oh, that's like, that's the best way to end a show. All right. I love that. <laughs> I'm done. <laughs> This has been really fun for me. So I hope you've had fun. Absolutely. And I also hope that I can talk you into coming back for another episode at some point in the not too distant future. Twist my arm. <laughs> oh, all right. All right. Um, thank you so much for being my first guest on this new podcast, The Big Schmear. And I really appreciate you taking the time to, to talk with me. Thanks so much for listening to The Big Schmear. Please write and tell me what you think of the show. My email address is beth at thebigschmear.com. Schmear is spelled S-C-H-M-E-A-R. And visit my website, thebigschmear.com, where you can download episodes of the podcast. Our engineer is Mary Mazurk, and our theme music is performed by Cavatino Duo. This music can be heard on their CD entitled Sephardic Journey on the CD record label. This is Beth Schenker, the host of The Big Schmear. 
I want to thank you so much for listening. And don't forget to write beth at thebigschmear.com and let me know what you think about the show. 